No my hearty my, and welcome to Cult Chat, the podcast where we talk about coercion, control, and all things cultish. I'm Dr. Caroline Ansley. I'm a medical doctor. As a child, I lived at the Centrepoint community, a notorious cult in New Zealand, and now I run a website that advocates for the former children of the community. I'm Liz Gregory, and I run the Gloria Libra Support Trust, and I'm privileged to walk alongside people after leaving this group as they embark on their new lives. And I'm Lindy Jacob. I'm a former member of the Exclusive Brethren, and I'm part of the Olive Leaf Network, a new initiative in Aotearoa to support leavers of high-demand religious groups. Come with us as we unpack the cult playbook. We'll be talking to experts and leavers of coercively controlling groups, and we will call for Kiwis to cult-proof their lives. Come with us as we traverse the cultiverse. A warning, this podcast contains references to subjects and discussions which may be difficult for some people to hear. Please take care of yourselves and your whānau when listening. Kia ora everybody! Welcome <laughs> back to our last summer series for Cult Chat. Is someone going to ask me what I'm waving? What is it, Lindy? She is waving a fly swat, which is no. peculiar. Oh, and Lindy. Everybody needs a good fly swat. I agree, sky. but see the tent behind you? That's our tent, like camping in Nelson. And in the little pocket, we've got a red one. Looks like a tennis racket. Has a battery with, like, metal bits. That's a fly swat. That electrocutes them. I do admit those ones are quite cool, but if I'm going to put my eco-friendly hat on here and say that requires using batteries and it's made of lots of bits of plastic, and I know those things, they break every month or two. <laughs> this sweet sucker is my new fly swat, and it's metal and leather, and it's meant to last forever and then kind of have recyclable materials. I'm not being paid by them to do an advert for it, but I do think it's really cool. Now, don't yeah. forget that people who are watching our YouTube will actually get to enjoy the background, the summer, the vibe, and the fly swat. I mean, everyone will be dumping on YouTube now to see what an earthlandy is holding up. <laughs> yeah, well, for those of us who aren't dealing with lots of flies, I will be, uh, in my summer, you know, cycling around, maybe going on a few tramps and dealing with sand flies, which uh, are, uh, you know, the sand flies actually are nasty little creatures. Mm -hmm. uh, our international listeners will have no idea what we're talking about. They're tiny little mites that just go, go around in storms and attack and eat. And uh, they're, they're tiny. They're about two they, millimetres. And they're nasty. And they're in all the most beautiful places in New Zealand. Yeah, they are. They are. And um, yes, so Kaz, I hope you've packed something like a beekeeper's suit to wear while you're <laughs> Keep the, well, the, the solution to sandflies is to move fast so <sighs> you just have to keep moving so when cycling you don't have a problem cycling but yeah, tramp, of, tramping's a problem you're reminding me of one time my husband um, was very fortunate that somebody offered him a trip hunting into the sounds and it involved a helicopter ride into the sounds like it was really cool and he got to go along without paying anything but he was a he's a complete novice hunter I don't think he'd barely ever been hunting before <laughs> and he coated himself like he might as well have taken a bath and the fly the, the fly spray stuff mm. and the guys were so upset with him because they could not <gasps> any deer and yes. they, were, they were convinced that it was because Tim was like smelling out the entire valley <laughs> totally those deer can smell you it depends which way the wind's going oh, that's what I've heard mm. <laughs> summer question for you guys I I love asking questions like this um what is your favorite summer smell and what is your favorite summer sight and what is your favorite summer sound the thing that made me think this was as I opened my can of cider and it just gave this little pop and a fizz and it was like <laughs> It's a relaxing sound. Sound, oh, sound. The sound of children spitting watermelons across the way and watermelon seed fights. What? Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> You've never okay. done that? That's awesome. You've never done that? Eaten some watermelon and filled your mouth with seeds and, and sort no, of... No, and I also never thought oh, that I'd hear 
I never thought I'd hear the words love and children spitting in the seeds. <laughs> well, you're not spitting, spitting. You're just shooting the seeds out. Amazing. Okay. Wow. All right. Well, you're not going to like my one, Lindy. And lots okay. of people come, camp- come camping with us here at Nelson at Tahunanui, and they can't quite fathom how we put up with the aeroplanes that just soar almost <laughs> on top of your tent before they land in the airport next door. But to me, it reminds me that I'm on holiday and Nelson living in a tent that I can hear these aeroplanes flying past. Oh, my gosh, that you're just like the man in the castle, in the movie The Castle. (laughs) And he's like, oh, the serenity. And it's like, (laughs) To me, it's like, ah, I'm here on holiday. Ah, the serenity. Which is also Mm. my favourite smell. It's got to be when you (laughs) unfurl the tent and you put the tent up and you go in and go... Oh, I thought you were going to say it was jet fuel was your favourite smell. Mouldy canvas tent. Mouldy, that's my tent. <laughs> that's very nostalgic of you. Very. Mm. Yeah. What, mm. Okay, Kaz, what about you? I actually think it's Fijoas, but they might be late summer. Oh, okay. no, they're like old book, like bad <laughs> old books. Taste. Hey, come on, Liz, we have to agree with some, on something at like some point. falls <laughs> in the wardrobe, Fijoas. <laughs> Liz oh that's fascinating okay yeah. okay last one what are your favorite summer sites oh my tent site right behind me it's definitely <laughs> yeah. it's one of the best sites oh. in the camping ground yes. actually something like that has got to be my favorite favorite site I just picked these from a bush mm. outside and it's not technically Putakawa but it is from oh, it's Rata isn't it it looks like family it, of them and hey that yeah. has got to be such a great summer site for, for those of you who aren't watching this I'm holding up little spiky red flowers um, that are all over New Zealand in summertime as Putakawa and related family members of that tree. Um, yeah, that's mine as well. That's yours as well? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Mine's probably like bunting and flashing lights. So we often wander around the <laughs> campground at night and see who's glamped up their tents. And often it's bunting and flashing lights. That really just does it. It's just a summer site for me. Oh. We need oh. to di- we need to dig into our episode. That's it. So we don't lose our listeners. Okay. Just sipping an old chin wag. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Mm. We are here to talk about what shows, TV shows, or films or documentaries that we thoroughly recommend to our viewers and listeners to watch over this summer period. Or perhaps just put them on your to watch list for 2024. On Who's top gonna- it though. In the world of the culture. Sh- in the world of yeah, the culture. Yeah, yeah. Sh- yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. That's right. Who's going to kick us off? Kaz, I reckon. I'm going to start because I've just watched something and it's right on top of mine before it disappears. I can only remember stuff for about a week. Um, uh, I've just watched Escaping Twin Flames, which you can see on Netflix. And I've, of course, when you start to pay attention to something, you realize it's everywhere. So I'm now also seeing it pop up on all the podcasts and all these various different things, um, Twin Flames. And I didn't have any idea who Twin Flames was until about two weeks ago. But it it's it's an interesting group uh, It's um, for a number of reasons. It's started not that long ago, five or six years ago, um, I think, maybe maybe a bit, little bit further back than that, but not very long ago. Um, a couple called Jeff and Shalaya Devine started this group um, in America somewhere, and it's all entirely online. So that's the really, really interesting thing about this, is because until I watched this, I could honestly have said an online group doesn't count as a cult because, you know, you need more community than something that can be provided online. But this is legit a cult. It's it's basically the idea behind it is this guy and his wife have uh, sold a belief system to their followers uh, that they can, through a series of courses, prepare individuals to find their twin flame. And their twin flame is the love of their life, the other half to themselves. Everyone has a twin flame. Um, but the thing about it, the thing that makes it uh, the hook is that Jeff can tell everybody's twin flame. He's oh. the one who tells who a person's twin flame is. But he's essentially the salvation figure. Like he's yeah, And everybody has to get to know him well enough so that he will well, he, he, to he, tell them. 
He True. offers courses and the and, yeah. and and he trains people up to be coaches. Oh. And so it, it's basically a multi-level marketing organization. Okay. How's he getting his money? He's at the top and everyone yeah. uh, who comes on board joins up because they're basically, and the other interesting thing about it is that they're all pretty young. So they're people in their 20s, maybe mm. in their 30s, a lot of, in that demographic, really young people, mm. a lot of women who who really just, you know, they, they just want to, they want to find their the, the, the other half and they believe in this idea of a, a, a really beautiful connection with a, a particular other person so it's that whole idea that the movie industry has sold us that there's this one amazing person for you and you'll just find them and meet it'll all be wonderful Happy so he's, com- he's completely playing into that and so they do these um lots and lots of um weekly twice weekly multiple times a week actually I think um zoom meetings they do coaching sessions with coaches so you'll join up with your coach twice a week I think and then you also do these open zoom meetings where where everyone comes together and um yeah so it it's quite it's quite remarkable in that uh, as you watch it, I think there's three episodes, and it, the, the series does a really good job of painting the picture of how these individuals are, are really, as time goes on, they're trapped because they're mm. paying all this money mm. to be in this group. And he's promising, that he, they keep on saying, he, he guarantees that everybody who joins up to this course will find their twin flame, that Jeff can mm. help them find their twin flame. But of course, as time goes on, that's not happening. Um, and interesting when there's uh, couples that come into the group, so someone someone starts to talk in the in the in the group, and they say that they've met someone, or someone's just started to message them, and Jeff says that's your twin flame, and the person's going, really? Um, <laughs> but no, Jeff says that's your twin flame. So the person ends up forming a relationship with a person who they actually don't mm. think is their twin flame, but they mm. they they they're basically being forced. Um, by the pressure in the group and a belief in this guy and his partner that this um, that this person is their twin flame. So, and then they become basically the models for the rest of the group. They have to start to pretend that they're really fully in love and and they found their other person, but they haven't found the other person. It just sort of spreads this sort of belief amongst everyone. And as time goes on, what happens is is um, people leave what the 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 truly upsetting thing about this is that they end up with not the right mix oh and hang on first of all um the rule around where you find your twin flame changes it used to be anyone could be your twin flame but they have to be in the group the group they have to be in the group and I think it's probably because Jeff can't control the person on the outside can they no the people inside. Is that, so, is that called endogamy or something like you know, you're only allowed to marry in the group. Are there a yes. group group? So eventually that that happens, and then that starts to create problems because there's not the even mix of male and female. Do they and, then go to counselling when things go bad to Jeff personally? No, no. no? Um, no uh, when they when they go to the coaches and they try to talk about how things aren't going well, they just get told that it's actually fine because any couple who's a twin flame that Jeff has ah. decided is a twin flame, they can't be having problems. <laughs> wow. And like if the woman starts to say he's he's treating me badly, Jeff will he's pretty misogynist. He'll say you just have to suck it up and like the men are promised that they'll have the sexual partner who's available all the time. Yeah, and okay. the woman's promised that she'll be completely happy and and it's just this it's just it's just truly terrible. And then as time goes on, he starts to peer up he re- releases a list of all these pairings and a lot of them are same gender to same gender. And he's got this idea. He talks about this idea of the divine, the divine masculine and the divine feminine. Oh, and he geez. starts to tell these couples and many of them are same gender. He says, you're the divine feminine and you're the divine masculine. And these couples who aren't actually couples, they're just arbitrarily paired up. They're like, suddenly um, I'm a woman, but I'm divine masculine. So basically, Jeff is now telling people their gender. <laughs> yeah. And the interesting thing about this is in the episodes, they actually interview a an LGBTQ uh, advocate who um he's he keeps on saying this is not this is not freeing for the, the transgender community mm-hmm. because someone else can't tell you what gender you are. Mm-hmm. And that's the interesting thing about it, is these people are suddenly now going, Well, I must be a man. Because, because Jeff says I'm a man. So. Jeff has said I'm a man. And it's it's excruciating to watch these people's lives yeah. just and collapse. When they, when they leave the group, 
is there an ostracism or have they never met the other people it's online like it's all online there they have a couple of they have a couple of annual meetups but it's all online and people's lives just get smaller and smaller and smaller and they don't see their family they're just basically in their little houses you know oh and that's it they start to exploit them exploit them for work so they all start to they all start to they're paying all this money every month to continue to be because they're paying like hundreds of dollars every month they do have a mansion, don't they, that like a bunch of the truly dedicated come to and they're oh. so blessed and honoured to come and serve them by doing housework and stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. So mm-hmm. he's just getting his kicks. He's just getting money. It's just his business. So just to jump back to the big picture of Escaping Twin Flames, you're saying that this is a TV series? Mm. Three episodes, I think. Okay, oh, so it's, it's quite short. And it's only, been, it's it's only been released recently. This um, year. Right, and there are also there's also at least one podcast that's um, full time exposing mm-hmm. twin flames. But yeah, I remember I it came across my radar a bit like you a couple of weeks ago, and I and I googled it, and I think I looked at their actual website because it's always interesting to see, you know, what <laughs> group's own narrative about who they are. And I must say, I thought, wow, this is very appealing, like because it's got all that language about yeah, finding the most fulfilling lover that you can that you know and the, the fulfilling lover and, and all this love and having all your you know needs met and stuff and 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 it's that whole story which they've borrowed from other spiritualities and other gurus over time that actually we yeah we were we were all um you know born in another dimension with somebody else right and then we're separated at birth mm. and so we've got to find our way back to that person and um, I mean, again, it's like that's a beautiful story for people who, for, for people in this world, you know, even those of us with a great relationship or whatever, and shout out to my husband, Tim, I am very happy <laughs> with you. Um, but <laughs> nobody can meet all of your needs, right? Like, yeah, it's that whole illusion of this perfect mm. love where all your needs are met. And so I can see why people are attracted to it. And again, mm. we are increasingly being told that in a world, that though we're more and more online, that we are increasingly actually disconnected mm-hmm. and relationally impoverished. Yeah. So no wonder this stuff holds yes. such- So you're impoverished in that way. And so you're actually happy to believe a great delusion. Yeah. Because you believe the delusion is going to offer you something better and you don't think it could even, how, how badly wrong could it go? Yeah. I'm going to join this group, pay a little bit of money and find my soulmate. How great is that? But then they can't extract themselves because they've invested so much. And some of them end up working for them. They get paid nothing, of course. And then they do, like I said, they do end up with a partner, but they didn't choose this partner themselves effectively. And effectively, and then they have to pretend because now they're part of the whole machine. They're part of the machine, them and their relationship. Part of their life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think it's really well done, and I highly recommend it. Because in particular, because it's sort of we've talked before about how you know, isn't it interesting? So many of these culty groups are based in Christianity, and oh, yeah, that's a bit embarrassing. But here's a group that's based in in I don't know. I mean, he calls he eventually starts to call it. They they even talk about how they they'll get more tax breaks if they call themselves a, a religion. So he doesn't he doesn't actually start off with that. But no. the thing is, he he records all of these Zoom. Uh, groups so that so that's how it's such a great show because it's all all them all um brilliant their footage um yeah anyway moving on oh i've got one i've got a four-part one and it's called keep sweet pray and obey that one's (laughs) awful but like it's amazing but terrible yeah it is and it's it's around the fundamentalist um mormon polygamist groups and so basically multiple wives I mean how difficult is your life with five or ten wives of course it's ghastly because these they boot out all these young men and like these older men get their pickings of these young women to marry and then they just have multiple children and all live in the same house together and um, it's strikingly similar to Gloravale although in Gloravale you don't have that but so much else about it their doctrines and so what it's made me realize is like think of a black box Think of a whole lot of people. Think of the black box being like doctrines and beliefs and control mechanisms. And it kind of doesn't matter what these are 
because what pops out the other side are people and levers who are impacted in really similar ways. Loss of identity, loss of connection, the internal world has been destroyed, um, and, and all the rebuilding that needs to happen. And so it sort of reminds you that inside that black box, there can be variations of the doctrines or the beliefs of the system, but so often it's the harmful control mechanisms that create really similar um, impacts of people leaving. So I always watch these with my eyes just going, wow, I just can't believe these stories. Mm. You are in America, you know, over in Utah, and it's just so similar to the cult um, around the corner. And I guess, um, you know, people who are employing mechanisms of control, like what is it, you know, what is it about a leader? Um, and so again, Warren Jeffs is the leader. He's currently sitting in prison and he is still ruling um, these polygamous cult. And so, and yeah. He's, he's the second leader, though. His father started it. Thank you. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and it got tighter and tighter. So, there's that concept of when your first original leader dies, that the next one's coming down who were born in it the fanatical nature of it. And so for me, it's it's this whole episode really reinforces why how beliefs can actually inform your practice and how control mechanisms keep people trapped. But in it, it's the stories of these women who are married to these men, underage girls getting married. So it's mm, got a real really personal. Young. Yeah, it's a real personal. Um, They're like 14 or oh, sort of, and yeah. they all just get sold into marriage. And you see what their life was like. So it's compelling. It's compelling mm. to watch, but you're left just going, oh, and then to think it's like whole towns and cities living like that now, currently, mm-hmm. in the yeah. US. It's, I found it deeply shocking and deeply disturbing. Yeah. And it's also one of those shows that as it progresses, you're kind of going, oh, my gosh, could this get any worse? And then it actually does. Like the, the final episode is just, it's just horrendous. You're like, I cannot believe that this stuff is actually happening. Like, you know, I won't say the things because it's, it's spoilers and everything, but... um. Yeah, it's truly horrifying that this stuff, and it's kind of tied in with um, basically trafficking of underage girls and all that kind mm. of thing under under the guise yeah. of religion. So yeah, it does a trigger warning. It does have all, uh, stuff like um, yeah, pretty horrific abuse and. Um, mm. But it looks at the trauma of those leaving those sorts of groups as well, and the and that sort of road to you know the long road ahead to to recovery. So it, in that way, it's it gives quite a. Yeah, it gives quite a broad perspective of life in a cult, actually, and yeah. leaving. Hmm. The, the the thing that it made me think a little bit is is how um it's not just cults that do this. There's plenty of other um, nations around the world and cultures that do this as well, where the 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 idea of marriage is, can be slapped on, mm-hmm. um to basically what is child abuse, mm-hmm. uh, yes. but it it legitimates somehow mm-hmm. somehow socially. The fact that this 13-year-old is married to this 50-year-old, mm. the, the marriage somehow makes it okay. Mm. Um, it, it It's not at all in any way, shape, or form. No. But it's it's the language that we use mm. to describe things can sort of socially, you know, smooth the way. Mm. Um, you know, uh, it's how you frame it. Oh, I'm married to this man, so it's not abusive. Uh-uh. No. And of course, yeah. legally, they weren't allowed to marry. You know, there's legal reasons why it's illegal in America, and so yeah. it's the first wife that is officially sort of married in a recognizable way. But yeah, there's been lots of um, issues with child protection services and all sorts. But basically, they're just a whole town and a whole city that lives. It yeah. borders. It's near Small Creek, and it borders. Um, is it Utah and Arizona, there's a whole, and they're making use of the law, like the the, the the boundary between these two states runs right through the town. And so you can um, scoot around the law and law enforcement find it difficult to be able to enforce law. And of course, because it's like a city, um, people who are part of the cult are like the police. And so you've got that mm. sort of corruption right up to high levels. Mm. So you're not going to get action, quite mm. frankly. Yeah. Unbelievable, eh? Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's where we got the idea of sister wives from, though. That's right. So yeah. that's another another TV you series. Oh, yeah. yeah, and you know, so many of those sister wives, they've gone. Have they all gone now, the ones that were on that show? I think they might have all left their, their yeah. husband. It wasn't a happy, mm-hmm. it's not a happy story living, sharing one husband. Yeah, yeah. Wow. wow. I well, couldn't even figure out how the guy could keep so many wives and children with his income. 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's madness, isn't it? Must be rich. <laughs> All right, you got one, Lindy? Yeah, I do, and it's um, I'm I'm feeling a bit hesitant because it does feel like a bit of a dark one for a for a mm-hmm. summer watch. Um, but then on the other hand, maybe it's better to watch these dark things when you can go outside and recuperate in the sunshine, um, rather than you know in the, in the gloom of winter. But um, I wanted to talk about a film called Woman Talking because mm-hmm. it's about a really high demand. Um, very closed off a Mennonite community um, and it's yeah it was a film that came out I think well I think it was actually last year now yeah pretty recent um, done on a on a novel but it was based from a true story of a isolated Mennonite community in mm. Bolivia mm. and um, it's yeah like a lot of these groups um, it's in particular looking at it's sharing the story of women and um and children who were abused so there's a bit of a theme here I feel Mm. a bit bad for the good men out there in our lives and in our world because so many of these stories um do have a focus on unfortunately um yeah the abuse at the hands of systems that Mm. enable and encourage a really unhealthy patriarchy Mm -hmm. yeah really unhealthy um male power and an abuse of that power but yeah have either of you seen woman talking yeah yeah i've read the book i've Mm. seen it seen it and read the book too okay as i said um earlier i love watching things especially things like that with others because i Mm. it just helps me to um stay present and not get so overwhelmed and triggered by the kind of atrocities of what you're seeing so how did you guys find it Oh, oh, I found the book was a very, um, yeah, a very lifelike reel. It's about this woman having these conversations and I found their conversations extremely pertinent to even like the Gloribel situation. It was just they like... Really, really similar. They yeah. are because Mennonite community, Anabaptist tradition, so a lot, a lot of similarity. And so again, just, yeah, always going back to this would be something, you know, that, that they could read and go, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> Mm. yeah I it's it was very well um uh done the movie and and it really sort of starkly um examines the choice of these women when they realize Mm. that they basically get pushed so they get pushed to a point that they have to act Mm -hmm. they have um been completely subjugated they're basically just they do they have no choices in their in their life at all oh and the yeah, they're pushed because they are suffering extreme sexual violence. Mm. Yes, but they they're pushed because of uh, largely because of the fear of their of their children. Mm. It's mm. it's the it's the need to 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 finally take action mm-hmm. for their children that yeah. that they've kind of tolerated for themselves. Yep. And, and, them. Yeah, and um, mm-hmm. it's it's sort of like really profiles like what does the world look like for someone who has had all of the information and because they're completely shut off they can't Mm -hmm. read they don't even know physically where they are on a map Mm -hmm. Um, they have no experience of dealing with money Um, they've got literally they're they're as naive as a five or six year old Mm -hmm. of the of the world out there Mm. and they realize that the men in their lives are the enemies Mm -hmm. um and and it's sort of like it just the the whole the whole story is around this decision making where they mm-hmm. finally realize they have to take action not yeah. for themselves so much as for their children yeah. and and then the consequences of that action and, and that yeah. and that's how to make a decision yeah you don't have the tools or the input of information and you're not and you're not free yeah and and yeah. And, and, the, and it sort of really it profiles exactly like mm-hmm. that um awful dilemma that people in in they all they in all these gr- that, don't they it, that's so true that whole question of do i stay and fight mm-hmm. it, yeah do i try and bring about change from the inside and and try and hold on to some of the good here or some of the relationships here or do you yeah, do you do you do you leave? And if you leave, do you go out guns blazing? Mm-hmm. Do you try and silently slip away before anybody stops you. Mm. They're terrible, terrible gut wrenching decisions for they anything you have to make. Let alone when you're talking about your little children or whatever mm. being 
being viciously brutalized and isn't it easy for us sitting out here you just asked a question what do I do do I stay and try and get change on the inside because people who've left groups like that and reflected on it and say people like me who work in that sphere the answer is really simple no you don't stay because what you don't realize is that 10, 15, 20, hundreds of people have stayed and tried to get change. And you think you're the first person, but you're not. And it will just simply chew you up and you will get spat out. So go before your kids get impacted and impaired and you won't actually regret it. But that's easy for us to say, isn't it? Talking to the woman who is socially entrapped, that seems Mm -hmm. like an outrageous suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And and there's this really difficult point in the story that I really kind of that jumped out at me is is when the one of the women is is they're trying to decide which boys go with them mm, all, the boys, right. all the women but what about the boys at what age mm-hmm. is a boy innocent and, and, and what age does he become a perpetrator and they have this this conversation yeah. is it 14 is it 13 is it mm-hmm. 15 and one of the women who her son is 15 and she's like mm-hmm. I can't leave him mm-hmm. but they're like are we safe is has he already absorbed the thinking and the the has he already become a perpetrator could bringing your 15 year old son with us mean that he then continues to cause harm to the others and mm-hmm. this this whole awful awful idea of your innocent because I've got two boys I've yeah. got a nearly 15 year old son myself at what point does does that mm-hmm. that that misogynistic patriarchal society that's squashing women mm-hmm. uh, and training male perpetrators what point do you lose do, do you does your innocent little boy become something well, ugly and how sad it's before 15 looking at the experience of sort of Gloraville think about hopeful disciple and episodes we've just finished kids and cults they say they're imbibing things for oh, very young yeah mm. so that that definitely sounds like a dark movie and I do reckon that's a powerful film that is is um worth seeing and it is definitely sitting up there at the top of my list and um I'm going to dive in with my second recommendation because it's a lot more I think positive and um it's not lighthearted as such but it's more positively geared and I confess it's also one that I have not yet watched but I'm really (laughs) excited about it I'm really excited about it it's called Witness Underground um and um it's been shared around because they were getting like pledge me or kickstarter funding Mm. and um yeah, and I paid the 25 bucks for, towards that, which then means that you get a download of the movie. So it's just been released because they got the money they needed. Right. And the um, the interesting thing about this movie is, and I've um, yeah watched a couple of interviews with the people who produced it, and it, basically the gist of it sounds like that there was like this underground network of musicians and the Jehovah's Witnesses Mm -hmm. I I think in the States um, but they sort of became global and it was I think it was called something like Nuclear Gopher I don't have it in front of me but um, and they would get together and and jam and make music and stuff but a bunch of it was like not allowed by Mm -hmm. the um, community that they were part of and as we've been hearing for those who aren't familiar with the Jehovah's Witnesses um, essentially you are quite socially entrapped in the Jehovah's Witnesses like you are you know they might not have some markers of a cult but they've certainly got other ones and often it's your only social world and there's high control around for example what kind of music you can listen to or what kind of music you can play and so um, yeah for these musicians that a lot of them then ended up leaving the Jehovah's Witness um, communities and got excommunicated and lost their entire families and their you know their social community all that deep trauma and it is psychologically traumatic to go through that level of excommunication Mm. um but yeah all of them are artists and musicians and so yeah they play loads of original music um pieces from these musicians they interview them they um follow their Mm. story so yeah I think that it sounds like that's definitely a bit more of a different story than just kind of focusing on the trauma or just looking at that journey, it's all through this like artistic musician lens. Um, hmm. Yeah, so it sounds really cool. I um, yeah. I've got the website in front of me here, and they say, and I thought I'd read this because it's really cool. They say, we believe that through artists, we have a refreshing, powerful, and entertaining path to healing. Musicians, especially, have a gift to communicate emotionally 
direct to the heart and to um, um, share important information in an entertaining and moving way. It says talented artists who have gone through an exit from a cult and then made music about their journey are the highlight of the film. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and it says especially we do focus on the experience of shunning complete family and community isolation. The film deeply focuses on this. Um, mm. Yeah, but we offer examples of inspiring lives of those who have gotten out and are on a path to healing um, using music. So anyway, I'm really yeah. excited about that one. Awesome. Well, unlike Lindy, the next movie I've got, I've actually seen. Uh, <laughs> and I have now seen it nine times. Oh, gosh. What is it? It's literally, it's ah, just such I a know what it is. good movie. I watched it again like this week. <laughs> yeah. It's because um, you're, you're in it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's called Gloria Vale. And it's not a glossy doco from Gloria Vale. It's not Gloria Vale propaganda. It's kind of like Gloria Vale, the real deal. And it's the story of um, the legal battle against Gloria Vale that levers are mounting um, against Gloria Vale. And so, yeah, I do um, make an appearance or two. Like you go, oh, that's our house. Or, oh, there's us at the barbecue. Or, oh, I had my mouth stuffed with food during that scene. That wasn't very good. <laughs> um, but I think um, when I do watch it, um, I am just reminded that other people are watching movies, perhaps for entertainment or for information. But when you watch a movie that you're involved in and deeply invested in, it just takes on another sort of, uh, it's another level. The story is really familiar to you. And so sometimes when I watch it, I think, oh, I wonder if other people like um, understand the storyline. Like, I understand the storyline. I've, I've lived this. I know how all the threads move together. I wonder what other people think about the storyline. But, you know, that's a movie that went up and down the country um, last year and we were, yeah, it was featuring in all the um, cinemas and now it's it went internationally and now it you can buy it at, like, the DVD shops, but you can also get it on TV3 on demand free. And so it's out there widely now. Um, to be watched and so the glory of our film I don't know I just find it a great movie and often we watch it with people when people come over and they want to talk about the glory of our thing we're like hey how about you watch this and that's that's yeah it's a really moving look at levers and their legal battle hmm. yeah I watched it at the Isaac Theatre Royal um the first I think it was the debut the the first night it was, it was. aired whenever it was last year the year before premiere yeah, yeah, and it was really fun, and um, there was a Q and A at the end, and you were on your stool, and all and the, the others, main, the main characters. There was like twelve people, or yeah, there, the and lawyers was, and yeah. uh, the movie directors and producers themselves, and the lead characters Sharon Reddy and crew. And John oh and yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I, I it was, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. We went great. around heaps of centres around New Zealand, um, having screenings and no it was it was fantastic so there you go there's a movie I've watched lots and I still recommend it <laughs> I want to share one which I have seen Lindy um which is probably no one else will see um because it's not on Netflix or um, any any um it's actually on um YouTube I saw it so Ooh. this is called the Ashram Children Ooh. it was a documentary done in 2019 um uh, and was recommended to me by a woman, an American woman who I met who was in this cult group as a child. Mm -hmm. So it's a story of um, a young man who's probably in his 20s who um, grew up spending his, I think, where's he from? Israel, I think, spending his summers uh, or parts of the year traveling to India to this ashram called the Anandavadi ashram in India mm -hmm. and uh, it's all about the children who went there with their parents and they don't think they lived there full time I think it was they were all just kind of went there for short periods for months at a time over the school holidays and then they returned to their own home countries mm -hmm. um, and it's basically the story of this guy trying to make sense of his really weird growing up and he uh, goes to America and interviews a number of other former children, most of whom are older than him. So it's got this real feeling of uh, a young, somewhat naive, uh, mm. searching, um, uh, quite open, um, really vulnerable young man 
um, called, his name's Jonathan, he's the filmmaker, reaching out to these older, maybe five to ten years older, old friends of his mm-hmm. and asking them what did what did we he asked them these questions like who was the guru was he who he said he was were we safe mm. how do we talk about it and think about it now mm. he's asking all these questions of all these different people and some of them um a lot of them answer in in really um, moving kind of insightful mm. ways and you he's he, he gets he gets recorded as he kind of hears these answers and he and you can see him having to totally reframe his experience mm. um following their wisdom and um yeah it's quite moving to watch him dig into his past and get confronted with um some truths from wiser peers mm. um, like they they push him to dig into the betrayals and they encourage him to look at the trauma that he's experienced it's really confronting mm. um but it's also quite gentle because they care about him as well mm. and um later on he actually confronts his own mother who continues to be devoted to this guru <sighs> and you you get revealed her own inability to take responsibility mm. for uh, the harm that he went through and lots of excuse making and it's and it's, it's quite... on camera like yeah up. yeah yeah mm. yeah and it's quite um it it's it kind of makes you by the time she's interviewed you're kind of feeling pretty engaged in the whole thing and you're kind of like feeling a bit pissed with with her for her inability to acknowledge the harm but she's still very devoted to the guru and wow. um yeah, so it's it's sort of like he's gathered around by his friends, mm. but his family really um, abandon him basically, mm. and it, it's quite it's quite moving. Um, it's not very long; it's an hour long. You can watch it on YouTube. Mm. We'll post the link, and I just I just think it's for for, for people who grew up in a cult, yeah, um, and maybe are just starting to explore some of their own. Hey, was it actually like that? Mm. Who's starting to listen to some of their own internal turmoil yeah. about their own personal history? They're starting to kind of think, I remember it like this, what this, but mum says it was like that. You mm-hmm. know, like when you start to kind of mm-hmm. cognitive dissonance becomes too hard to manage. Mm-hmm. This is a helpful it's a helpful movie. It's not oh it's not traumatizing. There's no, you know, it's not really like fun. Um, but it's sort of it's quite a gentle exploration. Yeah. And um, yeah, the the woman who recommended it to me is actually in it, and there was a really moving scene where she she just says, "The guru isn't who he said he was. He's mm. a he's a charlatan, and he was lying to us, mm. and it was all just rubbish." And I went and I confronted him, and I realized he was just a weak man. <sighs> um, yeah, and and That's it's just cool. like, yeah, yeah, and um. Yeah, so she, she actually recommended this movie to me, and so yeah, it's quite, it quite powerful to see her, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was this an American uh, American doctor, actually, who I who I had um, a couple of email exchanges with. Um, mm, she told me about it. But So, Kaz, you also f- have featured in a film, am I right? Oh, you yeah. You in Heaven and Hell? Yeah, I'm super famous. Why did you talk about Heaven and Hell? Because that didn't come out very long ago either. No, no, I didn't mention that, did I? Um, it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> oh, how, many times quite... you, how many times have you watched oh, the movie? I think, I don't know, maybe only twice. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not like nine times like you, Liz. <laughs> I watched that and I found it so confronting. Mm, very. But didn't the doco makers do an exceptional job? kids yeah yep they did that um it was quite a it was a big step for me to um go on that I was I really struggled with trust you know I was like what are you gonna do with my story yeah are you safe Mm. you know I need to watch it again now that I know you better yeah yeah yeah. I know I do I agree with this because I watched it a a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. so give us an overview of heaven and hell um when did that come out was it oh uh 2020 I keep mm. on can never remember if it was 2020 or 21 yeah it was um produced by uh Warner Brothers um uh for TVNZ with uh, NZ on air funding and uh Natalie Malkin shout out to Natalie she's mm. a wonderful woman did the show and she interviewed 
oh, I think about six uh, former adults mm. and three former children um, and used quite a bit of um, acting in it. So it's a docudrama. Mm. And I thought I was a bit unsure about how the, the acting would mm. go, but but I think it was done really powerfully because mm. oh, she was also interviewed um, some uh, police officers and a neighbour Mm. Um, but for some scenes she used um like the like the bit that was a, a bit confronting for me when I watched it to be honest was seeing the dramatization of myself as a child mm. and um I did make it clear to Natalie that I was a really grubby neglected kid with terrible hair but mm. she put this really attractive little child in my place it's like I didn't have hair like that <laughs> certainly certainly was much dirtier than that I love it but um yeah, it was really um it was, I don't know, I think it was powerful. It was it was within the first six months or something, or first three months, it was the top five most viewed mm. shows on, on TV at the time. So Yeah, we watched uh, it with a group of Gloria Vale yeah. ex members and they were just like, Whoa, there's a lot of similarities yeah. going on. Although yeah. the experience of the um open sexual commune was foreign to the Gloria Vale scenario, but yeah, yeah there was a lot of similarities. Well, and- I mean, I've heard as well that the origins of Gloryville, that they'd do things like swim naked with everybody completely naked. I read that in your archives on your website. Because mm. I thought, yeah, I thought that... Yeah, Gloryville, it was spa, pool, spa, really sessions. It, but but it was did. just education. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nothing. No, no, just marriage, just education, you know. And yeah, you know, well, lots of those stories have been hidden from the second, third, and fourth generation. There's like this divide of history in Gloryville. And the original members never talk to their right. kids about mm-hmm. what went on in the early and, days. In, the scene, in heaven and hell, that was some of the stuff that, you know, to my modest eyes with my modest upbringing, I was I, I was shocked to see because they showed footage, didn't they? Genuine footage from, mm. from the centre point days. And I remember one scene of like naked adults hooning around. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember just being like, Oh my gosh! Like oh yeah, yeah. That was there was there was a lot of nudity, which um yeah, I hopeful found, I found and Bert, hopeful and Bert, the two leaders. They you know they were checking yeah, each other they, out in competition yeah. and yeah yeah. yeah. But no, this I yeah. thought stuff was told really well, and it was the first major public telling right of. of yes. Yeah. Oh um. There was one in the 1980s, which was very much a propaganda piece. And then there was something on, uh, Nigel Latter did a piece on Beyond the Darklands mm. on it. And yeah. there was some bits, segments from Paul Holmes. And mm. uh, there was another one somewhere in the um, late 80s, I think. I, I don't never mm. actually figured out where that came from. Um, this one had the focus on telling the stories of some of the children that had it. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Yes, um, it, that wasn't that. Yeah, that hadn't really been told before, and I think mm. it was it was to, to to give some credit to Uncle Richter, who's been on a show earlier. It was her work, um, where she started in around two thousand and fifteen. Um, she started, she did some articles about one particular article in North and South, which was about like what what has actually happened to the children of Centrepoint. Mm, you know, mm, it's thirty years later. What was it like for them? What is it like for them now? And so she mm. raised that issue, and the um the documentary makers for Heaven and Hell kind of took that the next step. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and my my decision to be involved was I I was like, well, I don't want just to tell my story as part of just telling my story. I want this to actually be part of bringing bringing to light some some injustices mm. and. Yeah. Um, making an, a, a kind of a, a request for some some change so uh, yeah yeah so that was why I was in it um brilliant yeah so I think it's it's not it's not um as shocking as some of the other ones we've talked about today it's actually aimed targeted at the kind of 15 plus audience so it's mm-hmm. it's but while it's it's shocking it's not um too shocking so mm-hmm. you know and it's yeah. Oh, 90 minutes, so it's not a big investment of your time. And you can you can just watch it on TVNZ on demand here in New Zealand. If you are an international uh, viewer, uh, we'll put a link to um, the place you can watch it on YouTube because there is a pirated version on YouTube, um, which I found, which we'll put the link for because you can't watch it on TVNZ on demand if you're not New Zealand. Yeah, it's mm. an important story of New Zealand history. <clears throat> it is. You know, and it asks the question, 
um, how come 30 years later we've got another group exhibiting dangerous signs and did we learn any lessons from Centrepoint? Not really. So, how unfortunate. Mm. Oh, well, everyone, I think, um, you know, we might have given enough there for our summary followers to sit back and turn on the TV and relax. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I hope they actually get out into the sun. They're not just watching TV. Do that. And all summer. Have, yeah, and if they have to watch a summary one, Shiny Happy People, that's another um, movie series on the Duggar family worth watching as well. It sounds a bit more bright and cheerful. It but does sound summary, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So go and watch that. I found that one to be fascinating as well. I think it's just as dark. It is, unfortunately. But yeah. Yeah, no, that that's um yep, been a been a good chat, ladies. And um We'll look forward to seeing our next episode. What's coming next, Kaz? You're the one who helps organize. Oh, yeah. I think the next episode is Sarah Steele. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah. We're interviewing Sarah Steele, who's a podcaster. So looking forward to hearing her voice. Yeah. Excellent. Happy 2024. If we haven't said it already, yeah, let's bring it on. Right. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us for Cult Chat. And why don't you kick back and enjoy the rest of your summer? But tell your friends about Cult Chat while you're at it. Perhaps get on our Facebook page, write a review, and spread the word so that you can cult proof your life. Yeah. Swat those cults. <laughs> cult swat. That could have been the name of our, of our, of our, of our yeah. little chit chat. Yeah. All right. Until right, next time, everyone. Kakita yeah. Ano. See you later. Yeah. Bye-bye. If anything in today's episode was difficult or upsetting for you and you would like to talk to somebody, we encourage our New Zealand listeners to free call or text 1737 for support from a trained counsellor. Or you might like to visit the resources section of the Olive Leaf Network website where you can find a range of organisations and resources that might be able to support you. We would also like to remind you that the views and thoughts and opinions that have been expressed in this programme are the speakers alone and Cult Chat does not necessarily endorse or share them.